I sit by the fountain at Citrus Plaza, creatively bored. The unusually warm December sun reaches to embrace me, and I consent. A chai latte keeps me company on the table. I actually don't want it. I just need something to anchor me to the table, since my mind refuses to sit. It prefers to exercise its particular expertise in exploring anything but the task at hand. The plaza playing tinny Christmas music only encourages it. Why do we insist on filling silent spaces with our noise? Activity surrounds me. Cars pass by, navigating the parking lot's obstacle course of pedestrians. Some progress timidly, others arrogantly. Some rumble and rattle with loud music. Others squeak and screech with age. Some glitter with the feigned status of their driver. Others discourage a second thought. A diversity of people walk from their cars toward the shops. Some look like they know the magical charm that turns money into well-fitted clothes, but many don't. I wonder if they lack the money or the charm. But perhaps matted bedhead with thin wisps of chin hair somehow enhance baggy sweatpants and an uncoordinated sweatshirt. I may be the one without the magic. Many walk with that distinct slouch, where ninety percent of the body arches toward the phone, their hand raised barely past their belly button. While the remaining ten percent actually works at walking, which leaves zero percent for paying attention. But some walk upright, paying attention to the people and objects around them. Although I suspect they have merchandise on their mind, not the people around them. Many enter an unassuming storefront where the name of a prominent wireless provider hangs over its doors. I cannot help but think of my oversized bill when I see it. Perhaps I'm morbid, but I also cannot help but imagine the customers as sheep led to the slaughter as they open the doors and enter. The inside resembles something of a cave stocked with treasure. An employee asks these brave explorers what they need as they come in. His beard reminds me of the stories where dwarves often mine and fill their mountain dwellings with gems. Little do these explorers know that this treasure belongs to a dragon, a greedy dragon, as all such beasts are. They don't take kindly to people touching their gold, so the dragon makes them pay through a complicated set of options that none of the explorers understand. It's clear that the dwarf doesn't either. He just wants to keep the dragon happy, and the explorers just want to run off with their rubies. It's a delicate balance that no one wants to throw off. So each party pretends they understand the dragon's terms, but neither has a clue how it works, and both know it will change next month. I guess that's why people stare at their hand-sized jewel, even while they walk. <laughs> 
and eat. They found their precious, rescued it from the dragon's lair. So they continue to stroke its surface and stare at the light it refracts. Even in the presence of family and friends, the precious steals them from the true treasure before them. In the end, the dragon takes more than their money. Around me, people chat, eat, and stare at their phones as if attempting to divine the future in them. A few eat ice cream, some eat lunch. Others drink coffee purchased at a price exceeded only by its calories. The Christmas music still carols over an otherwise quiet afternoon. A tall, black college student approaches my table. I have watched him flutter from person to person, without any apparent method or order. It seems he engages whomever kindness has alighted upon for the moment. He then cautiously engages them, as if afraid to frighten their kindness away. It appears he has scared the skittish kindness a bit too often, for he seemed to leave each conversation with minimal interaction. Excuse me, sir, he says politely, curly black hair piled atop the close-shaved sides of his head. My college basketball team is playing in the finals in North Carolina. I'm trying to raise money for the flight. Red plaid hangs over dark denim. He holds out an orange box of chocolate bars. I quickly note that every bar reads almond on the label. I'm not terribly fond of nuts in my chocolate. But I am touched by his effort to play basketball, and I want to help. He seeks experience. He wants to compete, to produce. Everyone I've seen today only wants to consume. I already know I can't help him, though. I don't have cash. Not even a dollar. But I listen to him anyway thinking it's the nice thing to do. Or is it? Am I just giving him false hope that I'm going to buy something? I wonder about this as he talks. When he finishes, I smile and tell him how much I want to help him as I put on an act of checking my wallet and then a couple pockets in my book bag for the $3 I know I don't have. I apologize and wish him luck while he shakes my hand. All he wants is a few dollars to play basketball. Meanwhile, dozens of people continue to stream past, bellies full of food and ears full of Christmas music, romanticizing our spending addiction overhead. Every person here has plenty of disposable income. Definitely three dollars worth. I can't help but wonder why we make students like him hustle so hard for money. Is it because he's black? Do we secretly envy helping another do something no one has helped us do? Is it because he is a stranger and considered out of our area of concern? Are we so frantic 
making unneeded wish lists come true? We feel harassed by the simple request of a boy with chocolate? Or are cash-carrying people this rare today? Which makes me rethink my entire day. Why don't I have cash on me? Because I don't need it. I never have a reason to use it. When I woke up this morning, I fed my hunger and nourished my desire for caffeine. Then I showered my cold body, brushed my browning teeth, and combed my messy hair. I left the house with a destination and purpose. I prepared myself for today. But I did not prepare my day for others. Which is why I don't have cash. I don't need it. Why did it never cross my mind that somebody else might need it? Would it hurt me to carry a few ones for them, even if not for myself? Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and bold. Ding dong, ding dong, that is the song, with joyful ring, all caroling. One seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere, filling the air. Oh, how they pound, raising the sound, oh, here and there. Christmas celebrates giving. The holiday spirit praises generosity. We know this. We aim to live this. But we go about it the wrong way. Christmas is not about buying stuff for others, but about giving ourselves to others. The greatest gifts are not what we buy and wrap, but what we bring unwrapped. What the world needs is not more merchandise. The world needs more servants. Servants who give their stories, their presence, their love. Jesus did not come with gifts. He came as the gift. He gave us himself. He gave his stories his presence, and his love. He gave his time, his abilities, his wisdom, his leadership, his sacrifice, and his life. We cheapen this when we limit giving to boots, books, and boxes of chocolate. Servants give themselves friendship, partnership, leadership, fellowship, mentorship, wisdom, counsel, listening, table space, stories, secrets, fears, insights, observations, confessions, joys, knowledge, experiences, experience, and on and on and on. Maybe we buy gifts because money is easy to spend. It keeps people away from what we really wish to protect. Ourselves. We all have, to varying degrees, an expendable amount. But our time, our space, our lives, these we never feel we have enough of. So we hoard them, like dragons protecting gold. Mm-hmm.